Today in the journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt shares a lesson from Luke 21 on generosity. So in the case of the rich, their gifts were large, but their sacrifice was small. In the case of the widow, her gift was small, but her sacrifice was huge. And it was the widow, listen Bethel, it was the widow that day that was commended by Jesus, not the rich. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor and Bible Teacher at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. The Bible emphasizes that we're blessed not just for ourselves, but for the purpose of passing on those blessings to others. However, if God evaluated our generosity, how would we measure up? Today in The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt shares a lesson on what it means to live a truly generous life. If you missed any of the lessons so far from our generosity series, you can catch up online at thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve DeWitt. Imagine that as we took the offering, went really slow with it, and, and that God himself was sitting here, and as you did whatever you did today, that, there, that you looked at the face of God, and God was either doing this or was doing this. How would that change the offering time? I think we'd all be a little nervous, wouldn't we? If God was going to give us a personal evaluation of how we're doing in this key category of the Christian life, would that make you a little nervous? I think we'd have a lot of people showing up after the offering probably uh, and just trying to skip it uh, lest they get a negative evaluation. Well, you say, come on, God would never do that. Actually, he did. He did. And that's the story that we're going to study today. There was an offering that God sat there and gave a personal evaluation of how everybody was doing in this particular category. And the story is from Luke 21, and is a very short story, but is really one of the most beloved stories in all of the Bible. Here's the situation. Jesus has been teaching in the temple. He's condemning showy religion, religion that is done for the benefit of those that see it, those that seek the praise of men, those that want to sort of take their faith, take their religion, and show how spiritual they actually are. And what Luke does here is he arranges his gospel so that the story that comes on the heels of the showy religion of the Pharisees is the classic example of what a a truly authentic faith would look like. And we get to chapter 21, this very little brief story, so wonderful in its truth. Here's what he says. As he, this is 21 verse 1. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. People are coming to the temple, and part of what they're doing in their worship is they are giving their tithes and their offerings. And so they would go into the court of women, and they would go to these trumpet-shaped offering boxes, and they would dump the money into the box, and that is, how they would, that is how they would give it. So Christ is there. He's been teaching all day, and, and the idea here is that he takes a seat somewhere in there, and he's, he's watching people as they give their offering. And from this position, the text says that he notices the rich who are putting their gifts into into the temple treasury. Now, what advantage does Jesus have in that moment 
over the disciples and frankly over everybody else that was there. Well, as the Son of God, he knew more about every person that was coming to give that day. And when it came to their giving, he also knew their entire situation. And so he, he sees the rich coming and putting their gifts into the offering. In order to give a large gift, it required a lot of coins. And so you have these rich people who have these big bags of coins that are obviously apparent to everybody that's watching, and they're coming up, and they are dropping their gifts into the boxes. Mark actually says that they were throwing their bags. These rich people with the offering box, they're not just quietly dropping it. They're throwing the bags in there, and there's a sound. Everybody, who's, oh, man, who is that? And they're going, that's me. That's right. An impressive amount of money. Everyone takes notice. Now, so can you see that in your mind? Are you with me? Then the dramatic moment happens that Jesus is highlighting here. It's verse, tw- it's verse 2. It says this, He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. He saw a, a, a poor widow put in two small copper coins. All right. We've been noting widowhood in the first century was different than widowhood today, in, in most cases, certainly in America. In the first century, you were entirely dependent upon the income of your husband and or your children, should your husband pass away and you had children, then your children would be the ones that would take care of you. There was no uh, multiple million dollar life insurance policies, there, were, there was no social security, you didn't have, you didn't have uh, savings accounts accumulated over time that you would slowly live off of. There was none of that. If you were a widow uh, you, and didn't have family, children or husband, you had no income. You were destitute. And that's why Jesus, uh, for example, in Luke 7, is moved to compassion when he sees the widow whose son had passed away, and he sees the funeral procession. You remember that? His heart is filled with compassion for the widow. Why? Because he saw in that that without a husband and without a son, this woman had nothing. And so he went over and he raised the son back to life okay, to take care of his mom. So widowhood was basically meant destitution. So here you have then, that day at the temple, in the midst of crashing 13 boxes, and a little bit later, these big bags being dropped in, you have this widow who slips into the court of women. And uh, what do we know about her? Here's the only thing that we know about her. She's poor. Okay? She is poor. She's one of the destitute ones. And, and probably what that means is that she had, of course, lost her husband as a widow. And since she was destitute, she probably had lost her children, or maybe didn't have children, but we can probably assume that she had lost her children. And so this is a woman who has gone through major trauma in her life. Life has not treated this woman very well. Can you relate to that, by the way, this morning? Can you relate to a woman in the text of God's Word who is going through financial crisis, She has lost her family. She is probably experiencing all of the loneliness and all of the trouble and difficulty of living life in that situation. Can you relate to this woman this morning? Can you see her in your mind's eye? 
Here she comes into the court of women. And everyone, of course, is, is applauding and is, is seeing the rich drop their gifts into the box. But here she is. She is not bitter. She is not angry with God. She has not given up her faith. And if there was somebody that maybe you would say had a right to do all those things, it would be this woman. She hasn't done any of them. And she slips over to one of the boxes, that, and maybe right after one of the rich people, <coughs> like that, you know, and she gets over there, and it says that she has two small copper coins. Let's talk about these two coins. Uh, these are the famous widow's mites, or actually they were known as leptas. You don't need to remember that, but they were two leptas. The two smallest, these were the smallest of the smallest coins in the currency. And in that day, the, the coins carried value because they were made of a particular metal. Today, it's the government that says what that's worth. But in that day, they would be made of something that would have value, as I understand it, at least. And so these are very thin, very small, like almost nothing kind of coins. And she's got two of them. And she goes over to them, uh, to the box, and she drops both of them in. By the way, I didn't mention this. These would have added up both of these together, something less than a, a cent. Both of them together, less than a cent. So she goes over to the box, and she quietly, it says, puts both of them into it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a widow, and I, I have two pennies here because this is as small as we get in our currency, so here I have two pennies. If, if a widow came up to me and said, Pastor Steve, I love God. This is all I got. I want to give something to God. What should I do? I would say, you really want to give something to God? You really do? Because we would be glad to help you. And could I give you money that you could then give? You know, something like that. I'd try to sort of rationalize it around. Or I would say this, if you've got two, why don't you give one to God and try to do what you can with the other one? I mean, 50% tithe, that's pretty high. You know, and even the widow could probably rationalize that, couldn't she, and say, you know what, here I am, for goodness sakes, God loves widows, so we must get extra grace, he'll be okay with this, and I have two, so why don't I put one in and maybe live on the other one, and God's got to be okay with that, I mean, 50%, after all, I don't know anybody doing 50%, and here I am doing 50%, that's maybe how she could rationalize it. I wonder how many of us would have counseled her against it. But if she had only given one, I don't think we would have been talking about her 2,000 years later. So unlike the Pharisees and the rich people, her gift is quiet. Can you hear it? Listen. Blink. Blink. Into the box. That's all there is. Just a very simple, humble gift. Now Mark tells us that as she gives the gift, Jesus quickly calls his disciples around him. So you got to see Jesus now looking around saying, hey, guys, 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 come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, like that. And, and of course, they're all like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And they, they gather around him, and he's sitting there, and this is what he says to his disciples. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. She gave more than the rich people? I mean, what is going on here? Because the rich people are dropping in huge bags of money, and she, blink, blink. And Jesus goes, she gave more. Okay, now, is Jesus 
really bad at accounting? Is that how we could maybe establish this? I mean, how many of you would want Jesus to do your taxes? Because it seems like he's just not getting it on what value is all about. Or maybe is it that in the accounting of God, that God accounts value differently than we do in our culture, and certainly in the way that they did. He says this, she has put in more than all the others. The Greek, is, it's possible, there's room in the meaning for it to mean this, she has given more than all the others combined. Think of that. You know, these big bags of people, oh, wow, wow, look at that. Blink, blink, and she's given more than all of them. Combined. Now I can sort of see the disciples now realize they've lived with Jesus for three years. And like every day, Jesus is making some outlandish statement of some kind. And I can sort of see the disciples going, okay, Jesus, how is that true? You know, like, okay, here we go. Here's another one of these like don't get it statements that Jesus is going to make. How could that possibly be true? Shock us again. And he explains it this way. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. What is Jesus saying here? This is what he's saying. That in the economy of God, that God values gifts differently. They are not measured by the face value of the currency that is given. In, the, in our culture, the government says how much that, dollar, that bill is worth a dollar. It has a buying power of one American dollar. The government says how valuable it is. But in God's economy, he does it entirely different. It's not the face value of the gift that matters. Gifts are measured not by how much we give, but by how much we keep. Think of that. In the economy of God, what impresses him is not how much we give, but how much we keep. Or, to say it this way, it's measured by the sacrifice that it is to me personally. Is it a sacrifice or not? And this is why Jesus was not impressed by the gifts of the wealthy. Did they give large sums? Big sums. But they had tons more. There was no sacrifice for them in giving it. And the Holy Spirit says, even through the words of Luke, that they did give a lot. It's not like it was, you know, uh, uh, fake money or something. That They were giving actual large sums of money, but it was easy for them to do so. So in the case of the rich, their gifts were large, but their sacrifice was small. In the case of the widow, her gift was small, but her sacrifice was huge. And it was the widow, listen Bethel, it was the widow that day that was commended by Jesus, not the rich. And when it comes to this aspect of our life and our stewardship of the things that God gives to us, we have to realize that God grades on a curve. And the curve of determination is, what kind of sacrifice is it to me personally to do this? Let me give you some examples from the Bible. We can go into the Old Testament. And do you remember the story when David, near the end of his life in 2 Samuel, David decides that he wants to count how many soldiers there are in the army. Remember this? And, and his, his chief of staff is going, bad idea, bad idea. And David's the king and he says, do it. So they go and they count all of, the, all of the soldiers and there's this many in Judah and this many in Israel and la, 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 la. And they come back and they have a grand total. 
God is not happy about this because what it did is it revealed that David's hope and trust was in the size of his army. And he was glorying in how big his army was, and he was not trusting God. And so, it's a long story, but basically what happens is God sends a plague on Israel, and actually thousands of people die as a result of this plague. And David is, st- is there in Jerusalem, and he sees the angel that God sent to cause the plague, and he sees, and what happens is the angel is about to strike Jerusalem, and God says, stop, enough, that's enough. And David sees the last place that the angel was, and it was at this one little threshing floor, a little spot there in Jerusalem. And so David gets his, his main guys, and they go, they go cruising down to that spot where the angel stopped, and they want to offer a sacrifice to God. And so they come up to the guy, and uh, his name is Aruna, and they say, hey, we want to we buy this property. And Aruna's like, King David, hey, man, you can have it. Dude, have it. It's nothing to me. It's fine. And this is what David says, and this is the point that I'm making. David says this, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burn offerings that cost me nothing. If it didn't personally cost David, the sacrifice didn't mean anything. Paul writes it this way. In 2 Corinthians, he says this about giving to the Lord. Paul talked about money all the time. So did Jesus. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I wonder if he had the widow here, the story of the widow, in mind as he writes this. Here he is answering a very common question, and I get this question from people uh, semi-regularly, and this is the question, how much do I have to give to God, i.e., what's the minimum amount that I need to give to God in order for me to know that God's happy with me? Like, what is that number? Could you give me a number? I need a number, Pastor Steve. I need a number, uh, Apostle Paul. And last year when we uh, did our Buried Treasure series, we worked through this whole concept of, of what giving to God is, and we talked about the tithe, and I said to you, listen, The tithe is a basic redemptive principle. We find it with Abraham. We find it all the way through. Jesus somewhat hints at it. But then we get to the New Testament, and there isn't this give 10% and God's happy with you, which in a way that would be easy, wouldn't it? I'd sort of prefer that because then I can sort of measure myself and know that I'm good with God. But we get to the New Testament, and we have this whole concept of grace giving, that I'm not giving what I have to give in order for God to be happy. I am giving to God what I want to give in light of the abundant grace that he has given to me. So it's a much higher bar. It's a much higher calling. And so uh, I said last year that the tithe is a good starting point. They're like the training wheels of giving. And if you're a new Christian, you're like, I don't even know what to do. I've never really done this before. How do I get started? And you're kind of like, I need the training wheels. What should I do? I think the tithe is a good training. It's a good place to start. Okay. It's a very helpful thing. Parents, if you're teaching your kids about how to give to God, this is what my parents did. I had a, I had an allowance, a a $1 a week allowance. Kids, what do you think about that? My parents were cheap. Isn't that what you're thinking right now? No, this is back in the dark ages. You could buy a car for $2 back then, so that was a lot. Anyway, I got this dollar, and every Sunday, 
into the offering. You're talking about the widow's mite. How about the little boy's dime? You know, bleak into the offering plate. Had to give to the Lord. It's a good place to start for young Christians and new Christians uh, who are needing to get, to get going. Does that mean that if I do that, if I give to God, everything's good with God? I wouldn't want to say that to you. As your pastor, I can't say that to you. Particularly in our culture here. We talked about the fact, you realize we're the richest Christians that have ever lived. We are the richest Christians that have ever lived. The poorest person here is probably in the top 10% of richest Christians who have ever lived in the history of the church. We are wealthy. Now, we, we look around and we see other people. We compare ourselves to other people. Ah, oh, I'm not as wealthy as them. Or I feel poor because I've got wealthy friends or something like that. But when we compare ourselves to the world and to, the, to history, we are fabulously wealthy. We're going to get to heaven. You realize, every one of us, we're going to get to heaven. And when we're sort of hanging out with people, drinking whatever they drink in heaven, uh, uh, playing golf in heaven, no, no uh, green fees in heaven, it's all free every day. Uh, well, it's, there's only one day, so anyway. Um, so what did you do when you were on earth? I was a, a tradesman in, uh, in the United States of America, and I lived from 19... Uh, 60 to uh, 2020. Oh, did you make good money doing that? I don't know. It was, it was all right, I guess. You know, well, how much did you make? I'm, I think I made, I don't know, I made 60, 70,000 a year, as I recall, something like that. And, and uh, uh, the guy's going, a what? So what did you do? I was a tradesman too. Really, where? India, when? 800 to 860? Really? What did you make? Pfft, nothing. We scraped by. You didn't have a house? No. Car? What's that? Microwave? Huh? No TV? What's that? And you realize that there's, we are going to be, we'll be have, people will be interested in us because of the way that we, the, I'm, the, actually, they won't be interested in us, but it'll be interesting conversation. Uh, <laughs> We're going to get to heaven, and we're going to be really interested in them, I think, is what's going to happen. Like, wow, that was, I admire you. All of this, it's not even my notes. I'm just talking here to say that <laughs> we are going to get to heaven and find out that we, are, we were the richest people, the richest Christians who ever lived. And we're going to talk to people that were in the church of Philippi or church at Ephesus or something like that and say, wow, with all that money, you must have done amazing things for God in giving it to him. Are you ready to answer that question? A challenging message about living the generous life from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. If you missed the first segment of this lesson, remember, you can always catch up by replaying it online at thejourney.fm. Or if you want to listen on the go, then subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite podcast app, such as Apple or Spotify, for The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. That's The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. Well, here on The Journey, we believe in the gospel's ability to steer us along life's journey. And that's why each day we broadcast God's Word to listeners all around the world. But as a listener-supported ministry, we couldn't do it without you. When you give to this ministry, you help keep this Bible teaching program on air, offering guidance, wisdom, and hope to those facing challenges. So would you give today? Your partnership will allow us to multiply our efforts in reaching souls for Christ. 
Call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or make a donation online at thejourney.fm. And as a thank you for your gift, we'd like to send you Randy Elkhorn's timely book on generosity. It's titled The Treasure Principle. In this book, readers are moved from the realms of thoughtful Bible exposition into the highly personal and practical arena of everyday life. Discover how joyful giving brings God maximum glory and his children maximum pleasure. When you request your copy today, call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. While you're on our website, you'll also find helpful articles on a variety of topics such as faith, family, stewardship, and so much more. If you'd like to connect with us, then be sure to send us an email or follow our Facebook page. You'll find the links at the top of our homepage at thejourney.fm. Well, that's all our time for today. I'm Tim Svoboda. Come back tomorrow when Steve DeWitt continues today's lesson titled The Generous Life. That's Tuesday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.